Welcome to the Worship Central podcast. We are passionate to see the worship and creativity of churches throughout the world set on fire. Join us as we explore what this might look like. Guys, well, this is awesome. Obviously, quite a different uh, episode. We're all in our homes, crazy times we're living in. We're all figuring out how to do Zoom. Um, but welcome to everyone joining us um, online, watching this on Instagram or listening to it on Spotify, iTunes, um, the whole thing. Um, and we just thought that we, we should really um, make this a kind of standalone sort of special edition and speak into what we feel is going on at the moment. Obviously, these are unprecedented times as the phrase has been going around. And, and clearly, there's so many questions, so many thoughts buzzing around, so many challenges that people are walking through. Um, and so we thought we'd love to just, you know, really dig into this, speak specifically on this. And um, hopefully, there'll be a whole bunch of stuff that comes out that we just pray will be um, useful to you guys, will be a blessing, will be um, fruitful in terms of helping people through this time. Um, and so, as you can see, we joined uh, as per normal, as per usual, with um, Nick Herbert. Tim Hughes, Nick Drake, Hello. and uh, myself and Anna. Um, and so we just want to dive straight in and ask the Reverend... I apologise in advance. My, my son has now decided to have a drum practice. So I'll be, <laughs> <laughs> bless you, I'll be coming in and out of a mute. <laughs> excited for this. Home life. Um, so let's dive straight in, um, Reverend Dr. Nick Drake. Um, clearly this time is so challenging, um, practically and all of that, but also it conjures up questions, uh, you know, deep theological questions and issues, uh, you know, around things that we've um, faced, you know, in sort of normal everyday life, um, suffering, um, questions around, um, uh, you know, evil in the world and all of that stuff. but. Help us um, just understand this a bit and comprehend and process what is going on during this time and theologically, how can we maybe put some framework around what is happening? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, small questions that are easily answered, Luke. Thank you. Um, I mean, we're all trying to wrestle this. First of all, it hits you personally, doesn't it? That's what I've experienced, you know, and, you, and I've been oscillating like between fear and faith, I guess, you know, and so I think for personally, each of us has been psychologically, spiritually adjusting to it. But then I think that same personal um, oscillation between those fear and faith, you see that in the church more widely as we try and understand what's going on, you know, and I think there's two dangers, really. Um, one, like always, we overemphasize uh, that the, the the bleakness of things and the fallenness of everything or two, we go into a kind of denial and like, Oh, everything's, you know, everything's fine in our little world or whatever. And we'll just crack on with the goodness of God and um, all that and just carry on as if nothing much has changed. And I see both dangers really for the church. You know, we have to be a people who are right there in the midst of suffering, acknowledging suffering, having, a, a, a reason for the hope we have, even amidst suffering, uh, which is Jesus, 
and yet also we have to be a people of faith that uh, that our faith in the goodness of God that He never changes, no matter the circumstances, that that doesn't change. And so I think, you know, I don't know if you saw that Bill Gates. It was attributed to Bill Gates that um, quote uh, that's been going around recently, and he's he was drawing out all the good and good things that he's seeing um, still amidst the. The, the massive tragedy that this is. And he was saying that, you know, the, the greater connectivity, uh, the emphasis on family and home and coming together, uh, the fact that all, all of us are made equal, that our prime calling is to care for one another, and how this global crisis has, has emphasized and brought out all of those things as well that are often lost under the, the materialistic uh, pursuit and all that, which which sometimes the church can be guilty of of playing its part in as well. So, I think it's always important to look for traces of God's goodness, even amidst what is a tragedy. And yet, for the church, you know, our first step has to be towards those who are suffering, towards how we can help alleviate pain, how we can help bring the hope of Jesus to people. So, I think it's a real tension. Uh, it's a tension in, in our personal understanding of how to psychologically frame it every day and pray into it. And I think you see that same personal tension on the more wider church scale globally, trying to navigate these two poles of God's goodness, praying, faith, God never changes. And yet Jesus suffered so much and understands everything we're going through. And Christianity is fundamentally cross-shaped. And so we have to be a people of the cross. We have to be a people right in the midst of this tragedy in mm. some way. Yeah. I mean, um, when you talked about, um, you know, signs of God's goodness and, and uh, we know obviously the talk a lot around thankfulness being the way into God's presence and, and, and worship. And just even the other night, for those listening um, from uh, outside the UK, we, we did this thing in the UK where we had uh, an 8 p.m., um, applause and, and clap um, to show our thanks, our gratefulness um, uh, for the National Health Service. And I don't know about you guys, but we just stepped out onto our street and it was like an unbelievable moment. Like mm. I've never experienced something like that where, you know, you're, you're looking outside, you see your neighbours up and down the road all applauding. And it was, it was like, it was, it felt like a worship moment. Like I know we weren't, you know, directly maybe worshiping God, but it was, um, it was a moment I, I felt so grateful to experience, um, in terms of people expressing thankfulness mm. and, um, and it got me thinking about worship as well. And so I, I guess to come back at you, Drake, like take us a bit further into worship in the midst of this time, in the midst of suffering, in the, in the midst of the unknown, in, in the midst of the questions, like, any, any thoughts around that? Well, I mean, it's interesting because I've been writing a few devotionals for our church this week. And, and actually, what, I, you know, what you end up concluding every day is that praise and worship are the key. Because they, 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 although worship isn't primarily for us, it's for God, worship and praise does deliver so many benefits to what it is to be human and to our flourishing. Yeah. So whether it's a deposit of peace deep down where we need it every day, whether it's a fresh perspective, you know, I lift my eyes up, 
you know, where does my help come from? Rather than like eyes down, the news every day, you know, coming in. Like praise delivers so many um, what in theology has been called benefits, the benefits of Christ, like his life, um, accessing his life, his resurrected life, and, and, and having that activated in us each day. I think that's what, that's what praise and worship is so crucial, it's so important during this season. Yeah, amazing. Tim, you, um, we released a, um, a vlog on, on West Central Channels um, a few days back, and you shared some great thoughts around worship in this moment. Do you want to unpack a bit more around that? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think it's a fascinating time in that a lot, of, for a lot of worship leaders, if you're on staff or you volunteer, you serve a lot of time. <coughs> we're, we're so focused on that gathered expression where you've got scores, 100,000, however many people in your church, focusing on the music, quality, all of that stuff, and suddenly all of that is stripped away. And uh, so what are you left with? And, and Nick, you just said, um, you know, worship isn't predominantly for us, it's for God. But I think actually when you're involved in worship in a local church, a lot of time you're thinking about how does this worship edify the congregation, people? How do the songs help them in their journey, in their discipleship, in their expression? And I feel like we've got this moment where actually um, we can learn to worship in a way that, is predominantly for the audience of one. It's for God. It's how we can honor him and please him. And, you know, I was just thinking about the Levites who were set apart to minister to the Lord. They were, you know, that was their main role in the, in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle, just to minister, to care and tend to the worship of God. And um, I feel like we've got this opportunity, however long we're certainly in lockdown or however long we're kind of not gathered at church, just to sing again in a way that just is between us and God. No one else is looking in. We're not worrying about, does this flow together? Are these songs in a singable key? And, you know, is this all of that stuff, which are important things. To, that's the pastoral part of what we do as leaders of worship. But I think we have this moment to, to step into a Levitical call of just blessing the heart of God. And this idea that actually little old me stuck in Edgbaston, Birmingham, can sing these songs that can somehow honor God and stir the heart of God and connect with God. And not even predominantly, how does this edify me, which of course, worship, that's an amazing byproduct of worship, but it just somehow connects with the heart of God. <clears throat> I've been studying Revelation. I was just reading this morning um, the letter to the church in Ephesus where, where this John has this revelation and, and God says, um, well, he honours all the amazing things that the church is doing. I know that you've done what all you've done for me. You've worked hard. You've persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You've tested those who claim to be apostles and proved that they're not. They're imposters. I also know how you've bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name, uh, yet you've not become discouraged. And I think so many churches could say, that, you know, we've worked hard. We've endured challenge. We've persevered. We've tried to pursue purity. But then he says this, but this I have against you. You've abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you've fallen and repent and do the works of love you did at first. And I did, that just really hit me this morning that actually in the busyness of everything, we, it becomes the duty, acts of service, the hard graft of leading, and the sense of passionate love can sometimes dwindle. 
And I think my prayer, and I, I just wonder if this is something God is going to begin to do, is just to stir a deep, passionate, um, G.K. Chesterton calls it, you know, religion is not a theory, it's a love affair. And I wonder if God wants to awaken within his worshippers a passionate love affair. Yeah. I feel like I, I see that a lot in, in worship when I go around. People lead excellent sets of worship. It's all done really well. It's thought through. Um, but I don't feel I often see people where you just think, wow, this person is just besotted, mm-hmm. <laughs> overwhelmed with love for Jesus Christ, that they're, they're kind of undone, they're abandoned. And, and I think that's what the church needs. Worshippers who are on fire, who that first love, they, they're giddy. They're, um, it, it's, so, um, it's almost like, ah, this is over, overwhelming. And I, I just think this is an opportunity where we can dig into that. Yeah. Um, which excites me, but it's, we've got to seize this moment. Yeah. yeah. I've been following on from that. I think um, thinking through, you know, what are the opportunities that this season brings? And um, very much following on from that, you know, it's opportunity to minister to the heart of God and um, strip things back and, you know, just really um, focus in. Um, I think the opportunities are maybe for... Um, God to help us discover new gateways into his presence and to somewhat decalib- uh, recalibrate, sorry, our, um, our lives, you know, our minds, our hearts. Um, and just that whole thing of, of kind of getting back to the focus of, of who it is we worship, why we're living, you know, I'm loving Psalm 27, um, starting at verse four, you know, we, we know it well. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty. I love that word, gaze, upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And the message translation is really um, apt, I think, for, for this time. I'm asking God for one thing and only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet, you know, that posture of worship. That's the only quiet, secure place in a noisy world, the perfect getaway far from the buzz of traffic. And, um, you know, there isn't much traffic on the streets at the moment, are there? But, but there can still be a lot of buzz. And this is something that I've found, I don't know about others, but just that temptation to fill the space with a lot of stuff, you know, more time on Instagram, all the, all the normal stuff, all the normal idols that can get in the way. Um, but just this opportunity to kind of be recalibrated by the spirit of God and to sit at his feet, uh, to spend more time studying the nature of God, the character of, of who he is and his heart. And I think that there are some amazing opportunities for worship in this season. Um, just, I think it's brilliant, Luke. And I, and I think it's the, um, it's the simplicity, you know, we've cut mm. the big bands, the high production, the visuals, backdrop lights. Yeah. And, you know, some, some lots of online churches I observe, you know, it's just an acoustic guitar or maybe like acoustic keys, very simple. And yet it still works. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's, again, a good reminder, isn't it? We can, we can sometimes overcomplicate things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worship at the heart is a very simple thing about offering up adoration to Jesus. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I kind of wonder if, um, as a church, we are possibly at our most powerful at the moment because everything has been taken away apart from the fact that we can pray and that we can worship and there's actually nothing else that we can do 
Um, and so, you know, I've been thinking about this whole idea. We had this word at, at church at the beginning of the year about rewilding, which mm. is an amazing idea. Um, but to try and sum it up, it, it's essentially well, what it says, you know, trying to uh, allow ourselves to let go a bit and to um, allow the, the spirit of God to move in us again, to have space again in order to um, rewild, like reimagine, recreate, um, have more space for um, the prophetic to, to shape how we are. And, but what I find so interesting is that we're now what feels like in a real wilderness. And, and weirdly that at times uh, it links up with uh, Lent, which is where we know where Jesus went into the wilderness just before Easter, the lead up to, to Easter. And so I've been thinking about this, like what, what, do, we, what do you do in the, in the wilderness? You know, we hear this phrase, unprecedented times. And I think what defines the wilderness is the unknown. Like we, have, we just have no idea, which again, for rewilding to happen, there will be moments where we're like, what, we, don't, we don't know what's next. Um, but the amazing thing is, and I think for, uh, for us as worship leaders, we, um, you know, how, how do we kind of lead the way in this with our, with our teams and, and for our church? And the amazing thing is we've got the example of Jesus, like himself, who went into the wilderness for a long time. And, uh, you know, we, we, I'm pregnant, so we've been in self-isolation for like three, two or three weeks now. And, you know, and this is going to be a lot longer, like it's, it's a long time. Um, but if you look at the example of Jesus, he, he went into the wilderness and he fasted and prayed, which is essentially he focused his spirit. Mm-hmm. And as worship leaders, we can do that for our teams, for our congregation. We can focus, help focus people on the things that we that we know, you know, the goodness of God. And you know, it, it was such a, a long time that he spent just focusing his spirit. Because I think in this time, um, we will be tested. Like we'll be tested to partner with fear, to partner with mm-hmm. doubt. Um, to to worry about the future but actually as Jesus did that as he focused his spirit it meant that when the testing and the temptation came he was very quick to say no no that's not what God says mm-hmm. and so as as worship leaders we have we can help people focus their their spirits again you know um it's also just really practically a great opportunity to like serve the country like this. We, we just need to serve the NHS right now. And like, let's focus on that. That This is an, it's a, a national epidemic. It's a health crisis. Uh, this is about serving our, our country right now by staying at home, like really simply like that. Um, and, and then again, as well. and our neighbors and yeah, I mean, there's a whole thing around, you know, about mission. Can, can I ask Anna, how, that's such a good word. How practically have you, um, and tell us how Luke's done that. Um, how have you guys tried to lean into that yeah. sort of very much practically? Yeah, no, sure. Well, I think for me, um, obviously, and I, I think like just to reiterate your point, Nick, like we do want to lean towards reaching out towards people who are suffering. And I think in this, I'm not at all saying that we don't acknowledge the fear because it's very, it's very real. And, you know, for, for me being in that vulnerable category, like that's a real, that's a real fear. Um, I think I've tried to really discipline myself um, with worst dreams. So like I'm every day when we're, we're all down here, 
I just make sure that we start the day by um, by worshiping Jesus. And um, you know, there has been days where I felt really overcome by fear, and I think. The, the weird thing about fear is that it, it's like, it's not something you can rationalize. Um, you know, it's like, it can feel like just really overwhelming and you can't find your way out of it again, a moment in the wilderness perhaps. Um, and so what I've had to do is just put on worship music and, you know, tell, instruct my heart to worship. And as I do that, and we, we all know this, as I do that, the atmosphere changes, not only in our household, but in, in myself. And again, we gain perspective again. So that's that's been on, on the bad days. I think every day I'm trying to be really disciplined, um, no matter how I feel when I wake up, to focus my spirit mm-hmm. on God. And that, you know, this isn't a surprise to him. Um, the coronavirus, uh, he he's with us. And again, you know, if you look at the example of the Israelites who were led through the wilderness again for 40 years, they were sent. Um, uh, a cloud and a pillar of fire by night. Like God is with us, mm. and that that we can we can trust in. Mm. I think it tests you on how much do you, can you really trust in that. Yeah. So yeah, for yeah. me it's been a mixture of like of that. But I think the discipline of focusing my spirit every day. I think practically as well. Just on that question, um, uh, is you know as a church we've been really digging into neighbourhoods. Um, you know, our, our localities, because at, at this moment, the church is scattered, you know, it's not gathered in buildings. And so if you ever want to think about an opportunity to, to see worship outplay through acts of kindness and mission, this is the moment, you know, this is the moment, if anything, where our, our faith is put into action and, um, you know, that people will tell our love for Jesus in terms of how we love them. So it's been, you know, all the usuals that I'm sure everyone else is doing that, you know, the um, neighborhood WhatsApps, you know, can we get you anything? Is, any, is everyone okay? Anyone short of a pint of milk? Um, uh, you know, and all of that stuff. We've also had some quite specific family dynamics going on that, have, you know, in terms of um, this crisis health wise. And so that's been something to really navigate. But I think, I think what I've observed is community has really gelled and, and been harnessed by this um, challenge, which is often the way, isn't it? And I think um, I love the idea that um, our neighbours could see our compassion even more through this because of what we know of God's heart for us, you know? Yeah. Um, so, again, another opportunity. Um, but Herbs, I think you were going to say something as well. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the WhatsApp group has been just amazing with our community. We we've absolutely loved that, and just just um, we already knew our we're on a cul-de-sac, so we knew our street pretty well, um, and we've had sort of parties, invited people around in the past, but obviously not now. But um, <laughs> but we've loved that. It's just the way people. It's funny we set up this WhatsApp group, and then we needed some stuff, and we're the only people who've really benefited from it so far, <laughs> which has been kind of great. I, I was just going to go back. This is a slightly more maybe um, mystical, prophetic point, but just coming off the back of what Anna was saying a little while ago about the rewilding, and we've talked a bit about that. And that, and, and for me, that's been a kind of this external thing that's happened that is out there and it's affecting the whole of the planet right now. But the other word that alongside that, that has really um, 
just come to me through just through um, these times of prayer I've been having recently it is rewiring, you know, and it's this whole thing about a house needs rewiring. And I feel like internally, and when I think about maybe the state of worship, and this could be very subjective, but I feel like, you know, you talk about the temple of the Holy Spirit, the, the temple of God, the place where we meet, and this sense that every house, you know, if it's, if it's been going for a very long time and, and been around for a while, it needs rewiring because um, it, it can't cope with the demands of modern living. And I feel like what, what's happening is this sense of kind of getting rid of, like Tim, you were saying, all the decoration and going right back and saying, you know what, the wiring, the way we've been wired, it just doesn't work anymore. And that this is a moment where actually um, we're needing to put a new first fix, which is what you do with electrical wiring. You initially work out where does everything need to go again? How does it all need to fit together again? And then, and it's a very careful process, but I feel that this is a time when I've been reflecting as well on just worship and, and leading and, and songwriting and all these kind of amazing things we're so privileged to do and we love doing. But just saying, God, just just rewire the whole thing. You know, get us to the place, build your house. You know, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And, and honestly, I look back and think maybe there's been a touch of that um, where you think, you know, God, we just need you to build the house again. And like for each of us, the temple of the Holy Spirit um, and collectively. And I just wanted to throw that thought in there because I think there's this rewilding, which is this external thing that we can't control. We've been forced into the wilderness. But in that moment, I feel like God's saying, I want to build my house. I just, want to build my house. Yeah, it's brilliant. Go on, Jake. No, I, I think that, that's so helpful, Nick. And, and, and I think there's something, um, again, just theologically going on with, it, with this as well, because I think this whole thing has, has reminded and woken up everyone to go, hey, the world is fallen. You know, this, the yeah. doctrine of things aren't as they are supposed to be. And, and that's the thing, like, and in the Western world, in the Western church, we can have this, like, Oh, you know, we've almost got everything from heaven now. You know, we're, we're, we're almost in heaven. Things can be so good. You know, I can just go and get shopping whenever I want. I can order whatever I want. You know, everything's here. And it's like, I think this whole thing reminds everyone, hey, there is a big problem that no human can fix. And it's a, it's a problem of, of fallenness, of things not being as they're supposed to be. And I think that, that can fuel a pure heart of worship. You know, that, that can refine your focus. It can keep things simpler, as we've been saying. And, um, and I think it theologically it ties in interestingly to the wilderness thing, because the, in the wilderness, whether it's Jesus in the, in the wilderness or um, Israel in the wilderness, there's this sense of the wilderness is the place uh, where things aren't as they're yet supposed to be. You know, it's not yet the promised land. It's, it's, it's this place where there isn't, Water, it's desert, you know, and, and, and theologically water often is a source of life. Uh, it, from Genesis through to Ezekiel through to Revelation, the river of life flowing. And in the desert, there isn't that flowing water life. It's not as things are supposed to be. So I think that's very interesting as well, because this is certainly for the world, a, it's going to be a desert period. Mm. It's going to be like economically, in every way, health-wise, like, whoa what 
what do we do? And I think it's a great opportunity for the church to point to, 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 to the solution and the hope we have uh, in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Well, guys, it's great to, to chat. Um, we're going to move into the song of the month, but just a couple of quick things. Um, if people are wanting to sort of check in and a few resources, Nick and his wife, Becky, are doing an amazing thing, uh, Worship for Everyone, which uh, all age worship, engaging the kids, because that's a big thing. How do we encourage our kids, you know, that they grow in their faith. We don't sort of have to wait three months until kids' church starts up again. You know, our, you know we can invest as parents now into them as worshipers. And so Worship for Everyone. Um, if you're fascinated in what we do at Church at Gas Street, obviously, like every church, we're going online, so check out that, gasstreet.org. We're doing online streaming uh, on Sundays and then through Worship Central we're going to be releasing lots of content and trying to engage some training and input over this season so follow us on Instagram all the other social media platforms but also subscribe on YouTube because there's going to be lots of content coming your way but uh, before we head we're going to have our song of the month it's a brilliant song called Abide Uh, Luke, Anna do you want to talk us through the story behind this and uh, we're going to hear it yeah. Great, yeah. So um, Abide was written by myself, Luke, Jimmy James and E.B. Corridan from Life Church in Bradford. Actually, they just released a great single, Cheeky Little Plug, which hers was part of writing, a song called Yahweh. Check that out. Um, and E.B. came with the concept, actually, of that old hymn, um, Abide, is it called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, and so, you know, the, the idea is um, it's pretty simple. It's just how we remain in God, but that deeper sense of um, not just us being in God, but trying to um, achieve that communion with him, that oneness with him. So, um, yeah, it it came, you know, we had the the lyrics from the old hymn, which helped form some of the thinking around it. Um, I think it was one of those songs where the the bridge became the chorus and then we had to write a new bridge. um, Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's... um, yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> Sorry. It's been good to write. And I don't know if anything else you want to say on it. No, I think um, this that, that phrase, communion with God, I think is so good. Again, like that's what we want during this time, that devotion, deepening the well of worship. And um, so, yeah, I hope this song blesses you.
Well, guys, thanks so much for joining us. As ever, please um, give us a good rating and uh, subscribe on Spotify and iTunes and all of that. Um, and we really hope that this time um, is full of blessing, um, even in, amongst all that's going on. And looking forward to checking in next month. <laughs>